Our message to begin this Passover journey is entitled, It's Time. How great is our God? It's time. How great is our God? It is not happenstance nor coincidence, because as Christians, we don't believe in happenstance or coincidence. There is no such thing as luck. Everything happens for a reason, and everything happens and is orchestrated by one of two entities, either by God or the great imposter, who is not a God, and that will be brought to forth in the very near future, that he's not God. Amen. But in this time where the world is focusing on Easter bunnies and eggs and new suits and all kinds of things, that's because Satan wanted to have an appointed time as well. He knew this was an appointed time, and what he does best is bring distractions. And we praise God that we have been fortunate enough, for we were not always that fortunate. We did not always have that small piece of information that says God acts certain ways at certain times. And I want to start off by giving you an amen moment, a hallelujah moment, a just sobering close your eyes moment, however God works through you. But he shared something with me today about his way and his time. And he helped me to understand. As you see, the theme is redemption. And, and we're going to spend this, this first part of the journey just seeing redemption from all types of different ways, what it means to be redeemed, what it means to be reclaimed, what it means to be made new. And God helped me to understand. I said, Lord, you're doing this right now. Why? I mean, you, you've got the Day of Atonement. You, you can do this at the Day of Atonement. And oh, beloved, what he shared with me. See, God is not an arbitrary God. He's a God who does things on time. Uh, it's his time. And because we're at the beginning of the year, it's when things come forth. It's, it's when things are started. Uh, depending upon what you are, agriculturally, it's a time to be planted. And, and God wants you to understand that because he's who he is, just because he's God. Oh, beloved, just hear this moment. So many people lose so much because they just look at the Passover as a historical event. But, but if you look at that historical event and then apply it to our lives, oh, it's reason for rejoicing. See, see, at the Day of Atonement, you needed to get your act together. At, at the Day of Atonement, he told you in advance, you had some time when the trumpet blew 10 days ahead of time. It said, you need to be right with God because if you're not right with God at the appointed time, you will die. Is that a true statement? Amen. That's the Day of Atonement. You had to be right. God, God would, of course, cleanse you from all your sins. They would be taken and placed upon the scapegoat, symbolically, all of that. Oh, beloved, but hear what the Lord wants you to hear this evening. See, we're getting ready to take a journey that is going to somewhat mirror what Jesus did with the disciples. He came 
at the Passover. He came, had a communion service, had a meal, you know, had a meal with them, uh, washed their feet, uh, shared the tokens. I is that a true statement? Can I give you a revelation? Can I give you a revelation? See, we've always, and rightfully so, always made sure that we had all our wrongs right before communion. Not so at the Passover. Uh, the disciples were anything but right when the first communion took place. When the first ordinance of humility took place, nobody's heart in there was right but Jesus. I need you to understand that the Passover is a time where we get a clean slate and we're not even right. Somebody needs to say amen. Wait a minute, Lord, he said it's just time. And all you have to do is accept it. All you have to do is say, Lord, I am sorry for everything that I've done wrong. I didn't get right. I'm not right. I, I, I want you to know you need to see the template so that we can understand what we're doing right now. We are Peter who, who didn't even want to get his feet washed. But what did he do? What did he do when he got just a little piece of information? He said, Peter, you can't, you're not going to be able to be with me. Okay, Jesus. All he wants for each and every one of us during this time that we're here is just to say, okay, Jesus. I might have come and I wasn't even right. I might have come and I got a, the scent of sin on me right now. Just like those disciples, they walked in with pride and arrogance in who's going to be the greatest. They walked in not ready because Peter and James and John were getting ready to fail a big old test in the garden. They were not ready, but they partook of the ordinance of humility. They partook of the communion service. They were part of the Passover. And beloved, God wants to put it one more way for you. The children of Israel, when the death angel passed over, they were ready to go, but their heart wasn't right. I need, I need you to rejoice. God says, this is just one of the times during the year where I just stop by and say, who, who wants a clean slate? <laughs> who, who wants a clean slate? Hallelujah. It's time. That's what this is for. No heart searching. No, Lord, I've been trying to get it right. Some of us have been trying to get it right. Uh, some, some victorious, some not so victorious. God says, you tried. I want you to know that this is a season where your effort makes all the difference in the world. Not, not how hard your effort is. No, where you're willing to make an effort. God says, this is not a day of atonement, but you get the same thing you get at the day of atonement. God needs you to understand that he came here to tell each and every one of you. Say it another way. He brought you here and showed up here to let each and every one of you all know that he's willing to spare. He's willing to pass over. He wants to pass over. God, we're going to read something from early writings, page 257 and 258. It's two paragraphs that, that God just said that it's so fitting to help us understand who God is. The goal is to help us fall in love with God a little bit more. Amen. He said, God, you would do that. It, for me, it's enough. God, you would just, you would just say, now there's a certain time of the year that I just show up and say, who, who, who wants to be clean? I'm, I'm ready to pass over. Who wants to be clean? Amen. 
Uh, all, you, all you got to do, all you, those, 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 see, it's based upon obedience and not the heart. That's what we're going to understand. See, God said, I know your heart's not right. Can you just obey? The, 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 the children of Israel, their heart wasn't right, but what, what got the, was it a clean heart that made the death angel pass over? It was obedience. It was that they had put the blood over the toe post. He said, if you do what I say, then I'll clean you, I'll clean your slate. Hallelujah. I know. And it's time for a clean slate. Amen. I believe that every last one of us are going to leave here when this convocation finishes. It is God's goal for all of us to leave with a clear slate. Amen. That's what he's wanting. Listen to the kind of God you serve. He's going to break down some of the pharisaical idols in our hearts. He's going to break them down. Never. To, he's going to ground them to dust and make us drink it. He said, don't make this anymore. Don't make this anymore. Listen to your Jesus. My attention was then called to William Miller. He looked perplexed and was bowed with anxiety and distress for his people. The company who had been united in loving in 1844 were losing their love, opposing one another, and falling into a cold, backslidden state. As he beheld this, grief wasted his strength. Did you all catch that right there? Did you all catch that right there? He, he saw the condition of the people and it made him spiritually weak. It said the grief wasted his strength. Look what this is. Look what this is. I saw leading men watching him and fearing lest he should receive the third angel's message and the commandments of God. And as he would lean toward the light from heaven, these men would lay some plan to draw his mind away. Did you? I, I want to make sure you all get that. What did that just say? He needed to understand the third angel's message. He, and every time he would lean towards it because he had a good heart. Leading men in the movement would see they knew it was truth and didn't want him to accept the truth. And they would do something to keep him from receiving the truth. Is everybody with me? Look what this thing said. A human influence was exerted to keep him in darkness and to ret retain his influence among those who opposed the truth. Wait a minute now. Who are we talking about? We're talking about the leader of, of the Millerite movement. We're talking about the forerunner of Seventh-day Adventism. We're talking about the man who was so spirit-led that with nothing but a Bible and a crudence concordance, he came up, he, an angel revealed to him the entire, hallelujah, revealed to him the entire 2300-day message. I want you to know, no human can do that. But now he's in darkness. Now he's grief-stricken and wasted. Look what's going on. And people are striving to keep him in this condition. It says, at length, William Miller raised his voice against the light from heaven. He failed, he failed, he failed in not receiving the message which would have fully explained his disappointment and cast a light and glory on the past which would have revived his exhausted energies, brightened his hope, and led him to glorify God. He leaned 
to human wisdom instead of divine. But being broken with arduous labor in his master's cause and by age. Oh, Jesus, look what you're about to hear. He was not as accountable as those who kept him from the truth. They are responsible. The sin rests upon them. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, what, what did that just say? What, what is it? See, because far, far, most of us in here who've been in this present truth thing for a while, we didn't quote Isaiah 8:20 so many times to the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this truth, it's because there's no light in him. And William Miller was not speaking according to the truth, and he had plenty of light in him. He rejected the truth, and God didn't even hold it against him. I'm talking about who's coming trying to give you a clean slate today. That, that, I'm talking about he's a different God, a wider God, a broader God than you can imagine. He came to redeem. And I want you to know, he does not have to compromise his law at all to redeem you. Hallelujah. He's bigger than you think he is. But just as consistent, just as just, just as fair. Listen to Listen to what this says. If William Miller could have seen the light of the third message, many things which looked dark and mysterious to him would have been explained. But his brethren professed so deep love and interest for him that he thought he could not tear away from him, from them. His heart would incline toward the truth. And then he looked at his brethren. They opposed it. Now, wait a minute. Now, what that say? What that say? What, what got in the way of him receiving the truth? It's, 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 folk, it's folk who know the church that they're going to is not right. But the fellowship, they can't give up the fellowship. This is what happened to William Miller. Look what, look what it says. Look what it says. Could he tear away from those who had stood by his side? With him in proclaiming the coming of Jesus, he thought surely they would not lead him astray. God suffered, that means aloud, God suffered him to fall under the power of Satan, the dominion of death, and hid him in the grave from those who were constantly drawing him from the truth. Y'all don't understand what God did. He, 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 he said, you know what? If I keep you alive, you're going to leave me. You're, you're savable right now. So I'm going to have to drop you right now. I'm going to have to let you go to sleep right now. Because if I let you keep on going, I'm going to have to take your name out of the book. So I'm going to lay you down to save you. Uh, wait a minute. I'm going to lay you down in a rejecting state. You don't believe me. Look, listen to what it said. Moses erred as he was about to enter the promised land. So also I saw that William Miller erred as he was soon to enter the heavenly Canaan in suffering his influence to go against the truth. Others led him to this. Others must account for it. But angels watch the precious dust of this servant of God. And he will come forth at the sound of the last trump. That's Jesus. Oh, 
He died. See, see, in my, 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 my mind, brother, I can, I can work it out. I said, well, Moses, you know, Moses, yes, he struck the rock, but he repented. He said, Lord, I was wrong. Lord, I was wrong. Lord, I was wrong. I don't have a problem. A Pharisee's mind doesn't have a problem with no matter what you do wrong, as long as you can ask forgiveness for it, it's all right. This man died without ever saying sorry. This man did not repent. This man, his dying breath was, I'm against the light from heaven, and he will be saved. Why? Because man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart. He came. It was his appointed time, and God said, I need to redeem you right now. Hallelujah. He'll do whatever he has to do to save us. Second Peter 3, 9, we know it well. It says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to who? To us word. That's in the direction of us. <laughs> not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Where is it? That's a place. There's a place that you need to visit, but I need you to understand something. William Miller got saved without even visiting that place. But, but, but for the presumptuous, God says, I want to make sure you understand this. It said why? It says because of his arduous labor. He had put the time in. He had traveled from place to place to place to place, preaching for God and not preaching error, preaching truth. The only error he preached, he was supposed to preach. Oh, somebody didn't like that. Was he preaching? Uh, 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 Pastor Smith, was he preaching error? Uh, uh, Pastor Shaw, was he preaching error? Yes, he was. The, 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 the same person who was inspired to wrote this said what? God put his hand over it. Not going to let you know. I want you to think this error is truth. I want you to preach error right now. Oh, Pastor, what, what kind of God are you trying to display? A kind of God that can come to you in your sin. Know you're not right. Know you're not going to be right tomorrow. And say, do you want to be right? You say, I do, Lord. He said, clean slate. Hallelujah. I'll, I'll pass over. I'll, I'll spare you. I'll, I'll, I'll redeem you. I'll, I'll deliver you. I need you to understand why we have gathered here. We have not gathered here to come and see. We have not gathered here just because we love each other. We have not gathered here because somebody said it was a good idea to come. We've gathered here to get a new start. We've gathered here to get a clean slate. We've gathered here to be able to repent with our mouth, to start it, to get to our heart. Hallelujah. I, I, I'm overwhelmed with that kind of God. He, he said, all I need you to do is say it. Oh, Jesus. He said, I know it's not in your heart yet. I know that what you're saying sorry for is going to be a battle, but the struggle's going to start tonight for real. 
Why? Because it's my time. It's my time to take somebody higher. I want you to know that God, Sister Laterica, he's got appointed times for folk to get an upgrade. He's got an appointed time for folk to get a promotion. He's not an arbitrary God. He doesn't, oh, I think I'll give somebody a promotion today. No, 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 no. He knows when you're supposed to get a promotion. He knows when you're supposed to be brought higher. And when it passes by, he says, well, maybe next year. That's all right, but you know what he said, and, 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 and because I'm faithful, that just means I got to protect you till next year. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, but you're going you to miss out on all kind of blessings because you could have had them. I showed up to pass over. I showed up to deliver. I showed up to redeem, and, and you just didn't want it. But you know what? We're all here for the getting of it Hallelujah. this time. Amen. We're going to get it. Our lives will never be the same. That's what this is all about. I just want to spend some time dealing with different ways that God talks about redeeming us. All kinds of words that he uses because we must understand, we must accept his way. Because we can't understand his way. Romans 11.33 says his ways are past finding out. You do not spend your time profitably when you try and figure out God's ways. Just when you think you got it. Oh, I know what he's going to do this time. He'll do something exact opposite. He says, I'm God. You can't keep up with me. Lord have mercy. Isaiah the, 50, Isaiah the 55th chapter, 6, 7, 8, and 9. Just, just so you know, just so you know, this isn't just about getting. Oh boy, here comes the part. Someone said, I knew it. I knew there was going to be a catch somewhere. <laughs> See, in order to get forgiveness, you've got to give some. Yeah. He brought us here today. There's some of us, we've been holding stuff again. God says, eat that right there. Let, let me tell you when he says, I need it. He says, he says I, I need you to let me start working on it. Don't you love it? Don't you just, you say, Lord, I mean, it's so deep in my soul. You know how much I don't like them. You, that, I, 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 that, their ways chafe me. I, I don't, he said, I know. But I need you to let me in and let me start working on it this time. And he said, motivation. He said, now I just gave you a clean slate. The least you can do, the least you can do is let me start working on letting you give somebody one. It's people in our lives need a, need a clean slate, and you know what we're saying, mm-mm, mm, -mm. I, mm, -mm. <laughs> no, can't get him no clean slate, and God says, mercy. He said, but that's all right. He said, but, but, is somebody loving him right now? That was a love moment for me. That, that was a love moment for me. God, you mean, so, so I'm not willing to give them one. Does that mean I, I, I don't get my slate clean? He said, <laughs> He said, no, I'm a clean slave. I'm going to see the love of God. That's what Romans 2, 4. It's the goodness of God that draws us to repentance. You would do that for me, God? God, yeah. But see, I can quote scripture. I can quote scripture, Lord. I can quote scripture over there in Matthew 6 and 7 that says, if I don't forgive, then you won't forgive. He says, but you don't know what that means. You don't, know that I, you don't know that I tried to tell you who I was when I first, when I 
very first spoke this world into existence. I showed you that even though, Lawrence, I could have done it in a day, I took my time doing it. I am a God of process. My, that is my way. The only thing I will do instantaneously is forgive you. You didn't hear that. <laughs> now you ask forgiveness, I give you that right away. But, but, but I want you to know, sanctification is the work of a lifetime. Forgiveness for some of us is a work of a lifetime. We, 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 and we got to get that lifetime out of here. But, but I need you to understand that God says when you read that scripture in the spirit, he says if you're not willing to begin the process of forgiveness, I'm not willing to forgive. I'm not willing to give you the process. See, Lord Jesus, do you know that when God forgives you, it's just a process? Do you know that him giving us a clean slate is just a process? He knows somebody's going to have a clean slate and not going to keep it for 24 hours. I hate speaking that over y'all, but he said that's the truth. And God gave it to us anyway. He said, he said there it is. Because you're not going to ever be able to say, Lord, you didn't even give it to me. He said, there it is. At least you got, and, and, and you know what, and you're going to be benefited for having that clean slate for 24 hours. Hallelujah. It's going to make you that much stronger. And it's going to help you in the process of letting it go for that person who's done you wrong. Jesus knows what he's doing and what he wants for us in this new year. He wants us to start interpreting the Bible the way he sees it instead of the way we see it. So let's, let's deal with this redeem so we can go home. A lot of our family member has, 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 they've been on the road and they need some rest. Luke 21, 28. Luke, the 21st chapter and the 28th verse. I just want to show you a process for the people who've been beat down, beat up, shaken down, shooken da shaken down uh, thrown around, whatever kind of mistreatment that has happened to you. Luke 21, 28 is going to start us on a new path. Luke, the 21st chapter and the 28th verse. Look what your Bible says. Verse 28 says, And when these things begin... To come to pass. Let me read 27 so somebody can get all the hallelujah moment. Are you ready? Look what this says. Verse, verse 27. Verse 27 says, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Can I, can I, can I take you all out of the letter and, and travel with me in the spirit just for a minute? Just for a minute. That's the cloud that Elijah saw. And really Elijah didn't see it. Uh, his servant saw it. His servants saw. See, when Jesus is a long, long, long way away, that's the cloud. And, and it just looks like you're not going to make it at all. It, it, it says when you see that cloud coming with power and great glory, when you see that cloud which represents your character, which represents you looking just like Jesus, not when he comes. You got a work to do. You, we, we got a loud cry to give. We, 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 I hate to say it like this, but we really need to stop focusing on the second coming of Jesus. Because it's a, it's a distraction. <laughs> the second coming of Jesus is a distraction. So I wish you all could see some of the looks I'm getting, Brother Larry. I got to fix that up real, real fast. <laughs> but, 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 I, but I need you all to understand that some of us are so focused on the second coming that we're missing all the things that take place for us to be ready for the second coming. 
Stop focusing on the second coming. I, I need to know about what's the very next thing I need to do. That's what I need to deal with. And right now, we are in a season. God's people, each of you all have been brought here as heralds. We just got finished, had all kind of seven-day Adventists that the Lord himself brought here uh, for three afternoon Sabbath classes. And the last one was letting them know about the next day of the Lord. We, we, don't worry about that day of the Lord right there. When, when that day comes, everybody's, going, everybody's destiny will be decided. But there's another day of the Lord out there for the individuals who are not Sister Leterica Wise Virgins. I wish you could have seen the Seventh-day Adventists. As they, they were like, what are you saying? I told one young lady, I don't think you are a wise virgin. And it was only, she looked in my eyes and a little bit that she knew about me, she said, I got to see where this man's going because it sounds like he just offended me. And I said, you're not a wise virgin because you're a herald. The big lie that he has told us, Brother Joshua, is that it's all right to be asleep. It's so good to see you, Brother Isaiah. I need you all to know that we don't have the luxury of going asleep. Our job, what a Seventh-day Adventist was brought into existence to do, was to blow the trumpet. What is our first message? Fear God and give glory to him. Why? For the hour of his judgment is come. Not everybody, not anybody, can say that. Not anybody can blow that trumpet. That trumpet is to wake up wise and foolish virgins. You got to be awake to give that message. The greatest thing, the greatest thing that the devil has done is he's put an entire denomination asleep that was supposed to be blowing the trumpet. And now we're going around teaching it's all right to be a wise virgin because we haven't found out that there's another group of people in Matthew 25. Come on now. You got the five wise, you got the five foolish, and then you got the folk that wake them all up. That would be us. Hallelujah. <laughs> that would be that nation. Hallelujah. One nation of people to himself. Some folk who not going to go to sleep. Some folk who are going to resist the big lullaby that God is allowing to sweep over his church. Waving folk to sleep. But there are a group of people that in spite of ourselves. Don't you know that every last one of us has an angel that's doing this? Because if it was left up to us, we'd be sleeping. Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! And then we fool around and hear something. I mean, it's nothing about falling asleep in a sermon. Nothing like falling asleep in a sermon, and, th and then you catch something, and you get that second wind, and you're not tired anymore. <laughs> oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. And you don't need the elbow anymore because he didn't got you. And I want you to know that it's time. Remember, this message is it's time. It's time for us now to catch that second wind. It's not time for us to be nodding anymore. It's time for us because we got a work to do. Why? Why? Because Jesus stopped by and redeemed us. Amen. Because Jesus stopped by and 
spared us because Jesus stopped by and passed over. Don't you know what Passover means? I need you. Passover means that I should have got you, but I didn't. That, that's what Passover means. It, it means you deserve to be God, but I'm not going to get you. I'm going to pass over you. I need you. Passover don't mean you holy. Passover means you favored. Hallelujah. We ain't going to get it twisted tonight. Ooh, we holy. No. We on our way to holiness. We on our way to holiness. And this time, since it's time for me to get an upgrade, I'm going to take the upgrade. Hallelujah. We've been passing up the upgrades. We've been passing up the upgrades. We've been passing up the upgrades. Somebody's going to get promoted. Hallelujah. Somebody's going to get promoted. Isaiah 55, 60, it says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. That is so powerful. That's a whole sermon in and of itself. He said, I'm not, you need to be looking for me while I can be found. Because there's going to come a time where folks are going to be looking for me, and they're not going to be able to find me. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Now, now this is to the nation right now, right? This into the world, this into Adventism. This is to the nation. He says, let the wicked forsake his way. Remember we're talking about forgiveness? Them folk, them, folk, them folk who chasing you, them folk who done bothered you, them folk who done done some legitimately bad, rank, heinous stuff to you. Nobody's saying that you, you making it up. Nobody's saying, oh, you just exaggerating. Some of, some of us are exaggerators. But some of y'all, y'all got some shown off, legitimate, some, some folks have done you wrong. And God said, and what did he call those people who did you wrong? Wicked. And what did he tell you to do about those wicked? He said, let the wicked forsake his way. You got to let them. You got to let them. When they come and say you sorry, you can't be picking they sorry apart. I don't know. I, I didn't hear no sincerity in that. that that's because there wasn't no sincerity in it. You, you, just, you should just be happy that they saying sorry. Please know that there's some folk out there that don't say sorry. I've got a cousin, he's crazy. I really think he's possessed. I do. I do think that he's possessed. I, I, matter of fact, I, as I'm sitting up here, the Lord said, he is possessed. He is the craziest man I know. He is liable of doing anything at any time, anywhere. My, fa my, my father has a... My I bet I say you never can tell where this, this DVD might go. <laughs> Got to keep it nice and ambiguous. <laughs> but, but I need you to know that, 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 that he can be around holy people and lose his temper and just, and just say all kind of bad stuff. And my father says, you know, you need to say sorry. And you know what that man said. He said, I don't ever say sorry. I don't say sorry. Ever. And you know what I found out? That's not rare. It's a lot, it, it's a lot, it's a lot of folk. I ain't sorry. 
And, and if I was going to say sorry, watch this. I'm sure not going to say sorry first. <laughs> and, and so you need to understand that when we start getting the mind of Christ, and you start, you start, you start cherishing the little bit that you got. Don't let that sink in. They said sorry. Well, look, they was looking all funny, and you know, I really think you just, he said they said sorry. Just take it. Just take it. Just take that. Say thank you. You know, I'm, I'm just so glad you apologized. Praise the Lord. And I'm sorry for anything I did. And I just want you to know that that sorry really touched my heart. I really appreciate that. Some of y'all are going, Jesus got to help me. <laughs> but I need y'all to understand something. That's what he brought you here for. We are not here just for fellowship. We're going to get to fellowship. We are after something. We didn't even know. We're here to leave here different because God has showed up tonight and he's going to be here every day. He's going to be here through this entire time saying, do you want the redemption? Do you want to be spared? These are all the words in the Bible. He spared, passed over, re reclaimed. All of these words that just mean that while you were yet sinners, that's what the Bible says, Christ died for you. He doesn't wait for us to get right. He says, I give it to you now. We got to finish this. I can't get past this. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. And what's, what's God going to do? He will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Now, I need you all to understand that the next two verses talk about how bad off we are. Because when, he, when we get finished with 6 and 7, we have an attitude with God. After all they did for me, you mean you're going to give them an abundant pardon? You're just going to give them a free path? Please know that that's what, bar that's what pardon means. Pardon means you in jail. You did it. Supposed to die for it. And the governor says what? He doesn't he, he done say, well, we're going to give them life. We're going to give them life. He says, you know what? I'm going to give you a pardon. He might have killed somebody's mother. How, how, you think, how do you think the child feels about that party? The child, the child had marked the date on their calendar. Execution. Yes. And the governor said, I'm going to pardon him. And that child, God says, let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous man is thought. And let him return unto the Lord. And for he's going to have mercy upon him and to our God. Because he's going to abundantly pardon. And, and because of our mindset, verses 8 and 9, it says, For my ways aren't your ways. My thoughts aren't your thoughts. For the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways and your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. He says, man, it's not even close. And as we get, as we get, because we're going to get it. Somebody say, I'm going to get it. 
I'm going to get that clean slate. I'm going to get that clean slate. By the You tell me all I got to do is say, okay? I don't even have to be better. All I got to do is say, I want to be better and mean it. Lord, I'm filthy right now, but I want to be clean. Lord, have mercy. This is what Passover is. A group of folk who cry. God wants you to get, this is what the start of the journey is. He just wants you to understand what you're here for. A group of folk who were hard-headed, rebellious, stiff-necked, and cried out to the Lord, said, Lord, we tired of being in Egypt. They're not right. We're just tired of being in Egypt. We're tired of all this Pharaoh doing us wrong. And God said, what well, I heard my cry, I heard the cry of my people. And he had an appointed time. Did you hear that? That's, you think it was arbitrary when they got set free? All that stuff was taking place in 400 some years, had to go by, whatever. And God said, all right now, you didn't have my folk locked up long enough. I'm about to come set them free. And, they, and their rebellion and hard-heartedness and stiff-neckedness don't have nothing to do with it. I'm about to set them free. All they have to do is obey. I got something I need you to do. I got something I need you to do. After that third plague, and I remember Brother Nick, third plague, he put it on everybody. Uh, the first two plagues, he put it. After that third plague, he said, I want you to know, if you got any wisdom, I'd put my animals inside. Because... And, and what, what, what did the obedient ones do? Put the animals inside, and the animals didn't get killed. Got to the end, and he said, what? I need you to put some blood. The Bible doesn't say it. At least I don't think so. Um, I don't remember. It might be in there. might be in the writings of Ellen White somewhere. But I am convinced because of the experience that I have had with people. Don't y'all know there were some Jews? that did not put that blood over the doorpost. Don't you know that? You say, well, well, well preacher, what, what, what would make you think that? Because them the same people that he told, you know, don't go out on, on the Sabbath to get some out. Get, 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 get two portions on Friday and say, I ain't getting on two portions, I'm, I'm gonna go out on the Sabbath and, and, and get my, those people. <laughs> Those people. The people. I just want you to catch this for a minute. The people who God had brought to the promised land, had brought there, sent the spies in, and they came back and they said, man, they're too big. We, we're not going to be able to do it. And Caleb and Joshua said, we can take them. And this is not going to happen. Ellen White makes an inspired statement that it, it has upset me for many years. She said, if the numbers were reversed, if 10 were four going in and it was just two that were scared, all of Israel would have gone with the two. That's messed up. So, so, so what takes place? I'm just talking about us, not them, us. So then when they say, we can't do it, we can't do it, and Moses says, all right, I've talked to the Lord about it, and he says, because, you know, I'm going to send y'all out in the wilderness for 40 years, and every last one of y'all, you're going to die in the wilderness. And do you know what those crazy folk did? They said, we finna go take this city now. We finna go to take that promised land. They was just with God. They were scared. Now God said, I'm not with you anymore. And they said, we can't go take them. 
with them. He protected them. I'm, I'm trying to help you understand Passover was not him passing over a holy people. It was, it was him passing over an unholy people and setting them free. I don't know how else to say that. But that gives me hope that this is a season. This is the kind of guy. He said, I got a season where you need to be right. Everything's in its season. Day of Atonement is a season where I don't play around. I done told you ahead of time what, what, what the standards are, what the requirements are. You need to get all that sin taken care of. He said, but this is another season. We're going to read in Ecclesiastes 3 as we finish this thing out. It says, to, every, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose. That's, that's where we're going to finish this thing. See, the purpose, God's purpose now is not his purpose in the Day of Atonement. He's after something else in the Day of Atonement. Right now, he's after, he's after displaying his grace and mercy. He's, he's putting it on display. He said, do you see what I'm doing for you in spite of you? That, it's on display right now. That's, that's the Passover. I didn't get it until today. I didn't get it until today. I didn't understand what the Passover was about. It's, it's not just about him setting some folk free. It's about the caliber of folk he set free. So if I'm bound up right now, if I'm locked up right now, God says, it's time. This is the time where I come and give you a free pass to freedom. Somebody hear that. Somebody hear that. See, because all the passes to freedom aren't free. That day of atonement pass, you, it, that's not for you. got to do something to get over there. Let's, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's do this. So Luke 21. Look what the Lord says. Look what he says. He says, and when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your head, for your redemption draweth nigh. These things represent these times. When these things start coming to pass, when you see that cloud, because the cloud comes by every time at the beginning of the year, when you see the signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, it lets you know when you are in tune with Jesus, when you have his year down. It says, I understand that no matter how bad and how discouraged I am, he says, when you see what time it is, it says, look up, lift up your head, for your redemption draws nigh. That's what this thing is all about. Every year, you've got a time in the midst of your discouragement to say, look up. What does look up mean? You're down. I, when I was just intellectual, I would say, Lord, why, you got, why they got to look up and lift up? It's the same thing. He said, help that boy. <laughs> see, it's one thing. See, look is in the spirit. See, that's your understanding. He said, get your understanding right, and then I want your physical posture to change. I, I want your shoulders back. I don't want you walking around drooped. I want your walk to change. Lord, he said, don't you see what time it is? It's redemption time. 
It didn't say that when these things become to pass, repent. When things become to pass, get your life right. He said, look up, lift up your head for your redemption. Draw it. Nah. This is what we're here for. I, I, I want us to see, I want us to see, we know Passover. Go, go with me, if you will, to Malachi 3, 16 to 18. Malachi 3, 16 to 18. 18 minutes, we're going home, because you all got to go to bed. We got to be here at 8 o'clock in the morning. What time we got to be here in the morning? What time we got to be here in the morning? Because we got blessings that's going to be passed out at 8 o'clock in the morning. We got to get a clean slate. And you know, that's that Pharisee in me. You know, you go, if you come late, you still get the clean slate. But we want you to come. on. See how that Pharisee tries to hold stuff over your head? If you don't come on time, you're going to miss something. Now, now, this is Passover season. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Malachi 3, 16 to 18. Malachi 3, 16 to 18. Malachi, the third chapter. And we want to look prayerfully at 16 to 18. We just want to see God uh, showing his redemptive power with other words. We're looking at spare. Because when he spares you, what does that mean? That, that's past. You've been spared. Not necessarily because you did anything. I just chose to spare you. 3, 16 to 18. Look what your Bible says. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord, and that thought upon his name, and they shall be mine, said the Lord of hosts. In that day when I make up my what? Wait a minute, I, need, I just need you to pause for a minute. What did he just call you right there? Now, I don't know how many of you all have been in the Adventist church, or maybe, maybe some other folks sing it, but when I was a little boy, we used to sing that song. When he cometh, when he cometh to make up his jewels, all his jewels, precious jewels, his love and his own. That, see, they reminded us, you're a jewel. You a Jew. Most of us are diamonds. Did you catch that? We're looking a little bit like coal right now. <laughs> but 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 when the pressure comes, hallelujah. Somebody somebody's a pearl. It's a whole bunch of irritation. <laughs> whole bunch of irritation that's making that precious jewel but he's making us up as jewels look what it says and they shall be mine says the lord of hosts in that day when i make up my jewels and what does it say and i will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him then shall you return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. I like that. He said, when you come back, I'm going to give you some judgment. I'm going to give you some discernment. I'm going to allow you to be able to see what's, what's right and what's not right. But that's spare. I want you to see. Let's meet at Galatians 1, 4. Chapter. Galatians, the first chapter and the fourth verse. We're going to skip some of this because I think his point across and we just want to go on and get to the end Galatians the first chapter and the fourth verse Galatians the first chapter and the fourth verse look what the Lord says see we've talked about Passover but we've got to hit this 
thing like we've never hit it before. Look what Galatians says about deliverance. Who gave himself for our sins that he might what? That he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Let me tell you what he just said right there. He didn't say he was going to take you out. See, we can walk around in this present evil world delivered, spared, redeemed, passed over. Hallelujah. Go with me, if you will, to Nehemiah 9, 16 to 22. Nehemiah 9, I like this one because it deals with pardon. Pardon is just a big word for me. Nehemiah 9. Pardon just m more than any other word to me. It, it just really helps with the connotation that you know what? You were, you were guilty. But I just pardoned you. You just got a pardon. Nehemiah the ninth chapter, 16 to 22. We're going to read it quickly. We'll look, look what the Lord says. Look what he says. Verse 16. But they and our fathers dealt, what does your Bible say? Proudly and hardened their necks and hearkened not to thy commandments. It's not sounding good. And refused to obey. Either, neither were mindful of thy wonders that thou didst amongst them, but hardened their necks, and in their rebellion appointed a captain to return to their bondage. But thou art a God ready to pardon. Wait a minute. We got to stop right now. What's the, what's the environment that he's, that he's ready to pardon in? Nothing good. Nothing good. He said, but you're ready to pardon. Look what it says. Gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and forsookest them not. Yea, when they had made them a molten calf, and said, This is thy God that brought thee up out of Egypt, and had wrought great provocations, yet, yet, thou in thy manifold mercies forsookest them not in the wilderness, the pillar of the cloud departed not from them by day to lead them in the way, neither the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way wherein they should go. Thou gavest also thy good spirit to instruct them and withheldest not thy manna from their mouth and gavest them water for their thirst. Yea, forty years did thou sustain them in the wilderness so that they lacked nothing Nothing, their clothes wax not old, and their feet swell not. Moreover, thou gavest them kingdoms and nations, and didst divide them into corners. So they possessed the land of Sion, and the land of the king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, king of Bashan. Who, who did he give all that to? <laughs> That's pardon. That, that's Passover. That, that, that's him keeping his word. He said, I brought you out of Egypt. Somebody's got to go to the promised land, whether you're obedient or not. But how many of y'all know the promised land we're going to? You're going to be right. He, he said, you're starting this process now because I need to get you like me. Amen. Amen. 
Go with me to Job 7.1 as we bring this thing home. Job, the seventh chapter and the first verse. Job, the seventh chapter. And we want to look prayerfully at verse 1. It's time. Job, the seventh chapter, verse 1. Now, we're going to read this in the spirit. Are you all right with that? Look what it says. Look what it says. It says, is there not an appointed time to man upon earth? Are not his days also like the days of an hireling? I want you all to catch that first part. God has an appointed time for each and every last one of us to get it right for real. He knows. He knows. There in Judas had an appointed time. Every year, Judas passed up his appointed time. God came and said, man, I've given you power. I've let you cast out spirits. I've let you do miracles. You do all this thing. Can I have your heart now? Judas said, no. That's all right. Come back next year. Three years he came and Judas just wouldn't take advantage of the appointed time because this scripture says everybody's got an appointed time. They got a time where God knows, like the alarm clock. Some of us, some of us have, have experienced the phenomenon of the snooze button. You get to the point where you hit that thing so often you don't even hear it anymore. It's not that it's not going off. You have become immune to it. God says it's the same thing in the spirit. I know that you got an appointed time. I know that, I know that there's going to come a time where I'm saying, I need you to do right, and you're not even going to hear it anymore. You, you, you've resisted too long. I want you to know I praise God. I praise God that all of us in here still have a conscience. I praise God that all of us in here can still be troubled when we do wrong. You need to be troubled. You need to be troubled when you can't be brought to tears ever. I've seen folk come in here knowing they're not doing right. Wrong as wrong can be. But that Holy Spirit starts falling. And you see those tears. And all I do joyfully is say, Hallelujah. There's hope. I'm, I'm, I, I, now, now, now some, some folk are professional criers. I ain't talking about them. <laughs> that, that it's, it's folk who can cry on demand. They really can. Make you feel sorry for them. But when you have discernment, you go, But when you know he's touching the heart, all it's doing is saying, Hallelujah, there's time. Hallelujah, there's still hope. That, that's what each of us must do as people of God. We've got to learn how to be able to see past all the foolishness and see what's going on with a person's heart. See, as certain people, we just bothering. God said, they heart, they're not listening to anything. You nagging them. Well, you know the Lord. And God said, I tell you to say nothing to them right now. They, there is nothing receptive about them. They, have, they don't want to hear it. And, and, and this is what he's telling them. Right and they sure don't want to hear it from you. You have made such a, a, a travesty of Christianity. You've dug such a deep hole. When they meet Jesus, you can't be the one to show them to him. And we got to get that. We, well, Lord, I, I did some wrong stuff, and I got, yeah, you did, and you, it was so wrong. 
that their humanity is not going to let it come from you. You're going to have to let somebody else bring them to Jesus before they even think about forgiving you. Did you catch that? So, so then you are just making life harder for both of you all when you're in their face trying to preach Jesus to them. Because all it is is a gigantic indictment that you're going to hear from him. Job 14, 14. Stand, Job. Job 14, 14. About to let you go because we got to end in Ecclesiastes 3. That's our hallelujah moment. Look what it says. Job 14, 14. This is your hope scripture. If a man die, shall he live again? Wait, now, now, now I just got to tell you because you don't have time. Do you know what kind of death this is talking about? This is talking about when you've been cut down. Most of y'all in here don't know anything about that. I, I know about being cut down. That's that Nebuchadnezzar where he says, you know what? You are no good. I can't do anything else with you. I got to cut the tree down. But, hallelujah for buds. Hallelujah. Can't do anything with the tree, but I can do something with the root. Hallelujah. I, I want you to know, keep that stump, put some around it, and, and, and when my appointed time comes by again, we're going to rain on it, and we're going to let that tender branch come up, that tender sprout come up, and we're going to work with that new one. Hallelujah. When, when that takes place, that's what if a man die, shall he live again? After God and cut him down to the ground, can he live again? Look what it said. See, this is somebody's testimony right here. This is what you're saying. If a man dies, shall he live again all the days? Hallelujah. Of my appointed time will I wait. What does it say? Till my change come. My change has come. I've got an appointed time for my change to come. I'm not going to always be impatient. I'm not going to always be a gossiper. I'm not going to always be a whoremonger. I'm not going to always be a, a substance abuser. I'm not going to always be a tattletale. I'm not going to always be a thief. I'm not, he said, I'm all the days of my appointed time, because there's been a time appointed where God's going to change me. Hallelujah. And I'm going to wait for it. It says what? All the days. We don't come to God and say, God, come on, come. Is it time yet? I'm tired of being like this. He said, but you're really not. All the days of my appointed time, I'm going to wait because my change is coming. And this is the time for it to come. This is the time for us to make the change. Go with me to Ecclesiastes 3 as we take this home. Ecclesiastes, the third chapter. I want you, I want you. God wants each and every one of you. Sometime, tonight would be good, or sometime before you leave. Just go through these eight verses. I'm going to do it quickly. And I want you to go through and let the Lord show you spiritually what each one of them means. Each one of them. Because you're going to see that all it's talking about is a breaking and making. See, in order for you to change, he got to break you down. There's no way around it. You, you, don't, you don't just ease into the change. He said, no, I got to break something. I got to take something to make something. Did you catch that? Look, look what the Bible says. Ecclesiastes 3. To everything there is a what? A season. That means what? A beginning point and an ending point. To everything there is a season and a time. To every what? Purpose. God says, everything I let happen to you, everything I do to you, has got a purpose. When you were disobeying me, I had a purpose in it. You didn't hear what the Lord just said. Because if he, could, if he couldn't use your disobedience, he wouldn't have let you be disobedient. Mercy. That's the kind of God we serve. Look what it says. 
A time to be born and a time to die. Did you see the two? A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. Lord have mercy. A time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. How many of y'all know, beloved, this ain't no time of peace. We're getting ready for a war. We're getting ready for a war. We're getting ready for the whole world to be against us. And it is time for us to take advantage of this time. Did y'all catch that? He's coming by giving us a clean slate. And he's saying, now, let's see if we can keep this one clean for a little while. Amen? Let, let, let's see. He said, because if you can keep this one clean for a little while, guess what? I got a promotion for you. I got an upgrade for you. I'm ready to take you somewhere else. Ephesians, the first chapter and the third verse says what? It says all spiritual blessings are located in heavenly places. God says you've been in the heavenly place that you're in long enough and he has showed up during this season. He says I'm willing to pass over, spare, redeem, deliver, pardon. All I need you to do is say yes all I need you to do is say, yes, Lord. All I need you to do is say, yes, Lord, and allow this entire process to prepare your heart. I don't even know what the brethren are going to be speaking about, but God is going to have every message speaking to our hearts. And when we get to that, that, that meal of remembrance tomorrow at 5 o'clock, we're going to be doing what the disciples did. We're going to be coming together, eating a simple fare. Just, just some breads and some, and, and some, some, some nuts and some, some fruits and, and some things. Everybody says, we don't have no collard greens or nothing. Not this time. <laughs> Not this time. We, we're after something. We're after a simple meal because God wants us to understand. He wants us to understand what I want to do for you. It is simple. It's not hard. And then we're going to transition. We're going to transition. Once we have that simple meal, we're going to come and we're going we're gonna to prepare for the ordinance of humility. And nobody's going to be Peter. I don't want my feet washed. No, what, what, humility. Because humility is what prepares you for exaltation. And then like we've never done before. The first time we've ever done it as a nation. It will be the first time we've had an ordinance of humility as a nation. Washing each other's feet as a nation. Partaking of the emblems of his broken body and his spilled blood as a nation. And then we'll be ready for all the messages we're going to hear Sabbath. And when that final message is given at 7 o'clock, God's going to have an appeal. And the plan is for all of us to come down here and say, Lord, I surrender. I surrender. 
We're ready to start the journey. Amen. Praise God. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, you are an amazing God. Your ways are past finding out that you would, that you would create a season where all we have to do, according to 1 Corinthians 8, 12, if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what a man hath and, and not to what he hath not. Lord, this is that season where you're saying, all I need my people to do is be willing and I'll redeem them. I'll pardon. I'll, Lord Jesus, we love you. Father, keep us. Even as we leave this place, Lord, keep our thoughts on, on sacred things. Help us to reflect upon what you want to give us during this time of reflection, this time of redemption. Father, begin the process of softening our heart towards those that we have ought against. Because, Lord, this, this season, you are going to forgive us. You are going to pardon us. And we thank you, Lord beginning the process in our heart to allow us to truly forgive some that we have not forgiven. We thank you for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray.